All right. Well, hey, guys. Lorana and I are team teaching today, and uh, pretty exciting, pretty exciting. So this is uh, Lorana's first sermon. So can we give her a, a warm welcome? I'm not sure if that feedback was like, we're too close. I don't know. We'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. So I'm going to do a little intro. Let me walk through what we're going to do. I'm going to do a little intro, and then we're going to do our discussion questions like we always do. Uh, LaRonda came up with the questions, and then we're going to turn over to LaRonda to do the sermon, and then her and I are going to do a little conversation at the end if we have time. If we don't, that's okay. So, so all right, so with that, oh, you know what, man, I, and I'm going to need my, uh, can you stall for me for a second? Okay. Without Alan here, I gotta go fix the I gotta go fix the screen in the back. Okay, so, okay. can you hear me? I'm really All making right. her work Hallelujah. now. We are so grateful that we can worship our God in spirit and in truth. Amen. I'm so glad to see everybody here. I hope you came today for a fun service. This is not going to be an ordinary service. It's going to be an interactive service. So we're gonna do some little surprise pop-up things that we're gonna have you do. Some things that are probably not typical in a regular sermon, but that's a mosaic. We are not the typical church. We are church. not typical, Amen. are we? Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we're going to come out of the box today and do a little different today, but yep. I pray to God that you all can receive it and you'll enjoy it. All right. Amen. Thank you. You did great. You did stall. You know, you did perfect. You did perfect. All right. Well, I don't think we can talk about worship without addressing culture and tradition, okay? Because let's face it, if you look at the church, and like Victoria said earlier in our anti-racism devotional, the church is very divided. And one of the things that divides us is our culture, and different cultures have different expressions of worship, different traditions of worship. And so as we here at Mosaic want to be a multi-ethnic church, we have to be honest about uh, different, I would say, general ways that different ethnicities worship. Now, there's spectrums in all ethnicities of more charismatic expressions in the black church and more conservative expressions in the black church and more charismatic expressions in the white church and conservative and the Latino, Latino church, same thing. You, but in general, there's some, there's, some, there's some general truth that we feel uh, typically the way we are accustomed to worshiping is the right way to worship. Now, some of you here might be new to church. You don't even know what worship is. Lorana's going to help you with that. But I'm really speaking to those like myself that have, that have been in church a while, and we've grown up in a tradition, and we often don't think about what the Bible actually says about worship. We just get used to the way that our culture worships, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. What about if your culture contradicts with the Bible's directives? There's actually directives in the Bible about worship. And so we're going to look at some of those today. Now, uh, Here's one text I'm going to put up on the screen, and this is a slide we're going to come back to later uh, in LaRonda's section. But uh, I want to give you an example from my life that, that models this, that models what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, 1 Timothy 2.8 is pretty clear. Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. And there's a whole context to that. But very clearly, uh, the text is saying it's good to raise your hands in prayer, okay? It's actually a directive to raise your hands in prayer. So it's actually, in a way, it's kind of funny that we all do this, which is fine. Why do we do this when we pray? Anyone have it, anyone know? There, there's no answer to that. There's not, it's not like there's a Bible verse that says, fold your hands and close your eyes. <laughs> we just do it because that's what your mom told you to do when you were little, right? Like, you know, so there's not a reason to do that. There's no biblical verse that says do that. I'm not saying you're wrong if you fold your hands and close your eyes, but there are verses that tell you what to do. And this isn't one of them. I'm just telling you that right now. One of them is this. 
uh, raise your hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Uh, Psalm 28.2, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help as I lift my hands toward your most holy place. So I want to tell you a little story. This is just our intro uh, about my upbringing. And I grew up in a, just like a conservative white Baptist church. And we did not raise our hands. Like, this was not in our Bible. We had our own Bible. You know, it was redacted. We, you know, like, this stuff just, just blacked that out or whited that stuff out. Like, you just didn't have that in your Bible. I mean, this was, so I'm 39. So I was growing up in, the, like, youth group in, like, uh, mid-90s. I graduated high school in 2001. Okay, so just, I say that to say there's, like, a worship movement even happening at that time at least in the, in the white evangelical church. Churches were transitioning from like organs and hymns only, and then we're, now there's drums on the stage, and there's guitars on the stage. And I'm not kidding you, there's, there were older generations that literally thought drums were the devil. Like, you would laugh at that. I'm talking literally thought drums were the devil. Like, rock and roll was from Satan. This was like a thing back in the 60s and the 70s. It was a whole thing in the church. Anyway, so this transition's going on in my church. But uh, we, we didn't raise our hands. We just didn't. We never did. And, and we, we went off to camp, uh, at, you know, teen camp, teen camp. And I love Jesus. And I was a leader in my youth group. We were at teen camp. And it was, again, very segregated. It was all white. But at this, this camp, there's one youth group, must have been from some kind of charismatic church, or, or at least they were just practicing the Bible. They were just applying what these verses said. And, and the kids were raising their hands in worship. And you know what we did? You know what me and my friends did? We mocked them. I mean, we made fun of them. We mocked them to each other. We snickered. We, we joked. We, we, I mean, I remember the dumbest things we said. I'm ashamed to even say what we said. We made fun of them because it was so outside of what we were used to. It was so outside of what we were used to. Uh, meanwhile, they were just obeying Scripture. Like, they were literally just doing exactly what the Bible tells them to do. And so there's truths today that we want you to know are in the Bible. We want to talk about what's in the Bible. We also want to talk about culture. And for some, we want you to learn a new culture this morning. But we know you can't learn a new culture in one day. To me, learning a new culture is like learning a language. And there's one of two ways of going about trying to learn a new culture. You can demonstrate it. And then one time I had a worship leader say, um, if you love God you'll shout. Uh, um, I don't, that's not in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> what the Bible actually says is if you love God, you will, everyone, everyone remember? You'll obey his commands, right? <laughs> like we just did that in First John. So you can shout all you want and not obey his commands and you don't love God, right? <laughs> so when we have these conversations, it's really easy to get legalistic. Legalistic means uh, you know, to be saved, you need Jesus in your life. You need to have, accept him as your savior, forgive of your sins. Oh, and you need to shout, and you need to raise your hand. So that's not what we're talking about today. But what we are talking about is a gradual learning of a biblical culture of worship, a biblical culture of worship. And in that, to me, it's like learning a new language. Who's ever tried to learn a new language? Is it easy or hard? It's hard, right? Why is it so hard to learn a new language, especially if you're an adult? Why is it? Your brain, Tom, yeah, your brain is literally formed around your first language. So, so you're like, here's a new language, and your brain's like, no, nah, I'm good. I got a language. Like, my brain doesn't shape that way anymore. That's how adults 
brains work. Kids' brains are like, yay, more languages. Kids can pick up languages like that, and adults can't. And that's how it's going to feel for some of you today as we talk about a biblical culture of worship. Your brain's going to go, no, no, my brain's good. My brain's good with what I grew up with. Praise God that the Bible says our minds can actually be renewed. The renewing of our minds, amen, according to Scripture, according and aligning ourselves with what Scripture says. So we're not looking for fluency here, and that is really discouraging. If LaRonda is fluent in the biblical style of worship, and I'm not, and, and if she expects me to be fluent on day one, that's a bad teacher, right? Nobody in Spanish one or French one expects those freshmen in high school to be fluent on the first day. There's awkwardness, and you don't even want to use the language, do you? Because you know you'll mess it up. Like, if you're learning Spanish and you actually meet a native Spanish speaker, like, I'm not talking Spanish around you because I know I'll say toilet or something and not mean to, right? And so, like, you just, that's how it can be with this, too. So we want to set the table with a grace base. It's going to be fun, like LaRonda said. We're going we're gonna to have you practice some things. It's all lighthearted, okay? This is all lighthearted, uh, and, 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 but it's meant to get us as a church because here's why, and I don't remember what else I had in my notes. I love when I do that. I want to make sure I say this because I don't know if I say it later. Okay, here it is. This is important. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, I, I, okay, so, so uh, like I said before, and I'm going to wrap up with this because my intro is getting too long. Um, and then, and then we're going to jump into our questions. So, like I said, there's charismatic white churches, and there's conservative black churches, okay? You can go to a black church, nobody's raising their hand, nobody's shouting. You can go to a white church, everybody's doing that. But in general, in general, uh, black church, black Christians are more expressive in their worship, are more expressive. And I, and, and, and I think, in general, Latino, Latino churches are more expressive, are more expressive uh, in, the, in, the, in the evangelical world, the, the Pentecostal world, uh, are more expressive than a conservative white church would be used to. And so to have a multi-ethnic church of equity, that's what we want. We want equity. We want people to come in here and feel like I'm represented here, and, and, and I can, um, let me just say this. We live in a majority white society, okay? So if you're a person of color here every day, you live in a majority white society where you're a minority. That's what we call a minority. Uh, when you come into a multi-ethnic church, we'd love for it to be 50-50, 33-33-33, or 20-20, right? But we got what we got. We got what we got, and guess what? You got stuck with a white church planter, okay? And so you're like, we're working on this hard, trust me, right? Right? But, uh, but, but so what we're trying to do, particularly my white folks out there, we need to create a hospitable environment. You guys know what hospitality is? Hospitality is when, is when you're in the majority, you're in the majority, and you're not creating a space for the majority. Does that make sense? Because the majority is already the majority. You're creating a space for the minority to, to be able to come in, and I mean minority culture, to be able to come in. And so what it's going to mean is if you're on the conservative end of worship, the conservative end of worship, we're going to challenge you today. I, I think the expressive end is closer to the Bible, okay? I really, we, we're going to look at Scripture. I don't think you can deny it. Uh, but I'm going to challenge you, even if this doesn't come natural to you, if you're going to be a core member of, of Mosaic, you are responsible to help make this an equitable place for people of all cultures to be able to come in and be expressive in their worship. And so what that means is, if all of us white folks are sitting there in worship like this, and we're singing, maybe even singing, and then LaRonda comes in, and she's shouting, and she's praising, and she's got her hands up, and she's the only one doing that. Guess what LaRonda's going to think? Is your mic on? 
hear me? Yeah. What would you think? Uh, these people don't worship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what? Don't they know how to worship? They don't know how to worship. Right? You know, and it's it's probably like I'm out of here. Maybe they yeah. think maybe they're just like Noah in high school. Maybe they're like Noah in high school, and they think what I'm doing is wrong because they're not doing it. Guys, this is real. This is real stuff. And so we want today to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. We're going to do it gently, okay? Really tactfully, pastorally, and gracefully, okay? But this is really important for our church. This is not the first, to- the first and only time. This is the first time. It's not the only time that we are going to talk about this. We want everyone to know, yes, you can do that here. Yes, we do that. The only way to do that is if more of us do that, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the only way for us to develop a culture like that. If I'm the only one clapping, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm probably gonna stop clapping. I can't even keep a beat that well. <laughs> but if all of us are clapping, I'm gonna clap too, right? Yeah. You see how this works? Okay, good. Yeah. All right, we're gonna jump into our, our questions, and then Laurent is gonna take the stage after that. So here's your questions. We're gonna go, so if you're new today, welcome. Um, this is what we do. We, we, we do an intro. We have more questions. Again, we want you to get to know the people you're sitting with. Uh, you guys can all consolidate over here. Uh, and, and here's your two questions. Uh, and this will apply to LaRonda's uh, intro. Have you ever seen your favorite artist or band perform live? If so, how did it make you feel? And if given the opportunity to meet them, your, you know, your favorite artist, how do you think you'd react? And, and maybe you don't, you're not a music person. Maybe it'd be a movie star that's your favorite movie star, or an athlete, that's your favorite athlete. If you met them, how, how would you react? Um, I love that you wrote faint <laughs> on there, it's so great. All right, anything else before we jump into questions? No, that's it. All right, you'll have five minutes, and then LaRonda will bring you back, uh, bring you back together. Here we go. If we could wrap up our discussion time, thank you for participating. All right, so I heard some very interesting things, some things I was kind of surprised about. <laughs> so now listen, we, I asked you guys intentionally about your, um, your favorite artist or person or idol or whatever you want to call them. So I'll give you an example. I love Janet Jackson. And I had the opportunity in July to see her perform live in Cincinnati. Now, that's something I never thought I would get to do. And it just so happened, some tickets just kind of fell in my lap. And it was just like sold out concert. And they're like, hey, you want tickets? You want to buy these tickets? Somebody doesn't want them. I'm like, yeah. Yes, of course I will. And so just thinking about we're in a crowd of like, I don't know, 40, 50,000 people. Um, in a big outside arena, and the DJ is coming on, right? So you got the DJ is playing the music. Janet Jackson is nowhere to be seen, right? So we've, we've got the um, DJs getting everybody pumped. You guys ready to see Janet Jackson? We're like, yeah! Right? She, we haven't seen her yet. She hasn't sung a song. She hasn't hit the stage. And this man had us so excited. Just, all right, Janet's in the building, everybody. Yeah! Every time, we would just get, it was like, it was just rising, and we, by the time she actually hit the stage, we were about to explode, right? And so, as a worship leader, my job is like that DJ. I got to get you guys hyped for God, amen? So, my job is to set the atmosphere so we know that we can invite God's presence into the room, and that's how we do that with praise and worship. Now, I, I have a, a, a video. It's 
three minutes, so just kind of chill in your chair, but I think you're going to like it. It's um, Reverend Dr. Steve Harvey. Reverend Dr. Steve Harvey is going to introduce Jesus. And I don't know, I kind of feel like I need to start service every Sunday like this. And I want you guys to listen to it and let me know what you think. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the prince of peace. Get up on your feet, put your hands together, and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. I think I should start serving like that every week. Anything. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Look at that crowd going crazy. God has been good. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, God. How do you like that? Is that not the best introduction in the world? I mean, how do you <laughs> how do you not give God glory after that? After hearing all these amazing things, like yes, I 
I need to stand up and scream a little bit because that was amazing, right? So now that was, that was my little lighthearted Reverend Dr. Steve Harvey clip. Um, and now I want to kind of shift a little bit to Michael Jackson. Now, I don't know the ages. We, I think everybody in here is old enough. Everybody know who Michael Jackson is, right? We all know who Michael Jackson is. So there he is, king of pop. Um, everybody in the world knows who this man is, right? And so he has been idolized by millions of people all around the world. Thousands of people, and I'm, I'm sure people have seen the clips where people would stand outside for days. They didn't care how hot it was, they didn't care how cold it was, how long they had to stay. They would camp out in line just to get into an arena to see him, just to get a glimpse. They would jump, they would scream, they would act a fool just to get him to turn their way and then they'd faint, right? So I want you to watch this quick clip, and this one's not as long, it's only like 19 seconds of how some of his fans would react to being in his presence, okay? I think it's going to continue to go over and over. So look, is that crazy? Is that crazy? Just for a guy who makes great music and dances like a maniac, right? So nobody in that arena cared what they looked like. They didn't care how crazy the person next to them thought that they were because nothing else mattered. All they wanted to do was worship this guy, right? He was an idol to these people, right? And so you think about it, let's put this in perspective. How much more should we give glory to our God who supplies all of our needs? This man just makes good music. And nobody cares when they, you saw people doing this. And when we're in church, it's like, I don't want to put my hands up because somebody might look at me crazy. Well, they're going to think, what's wrong with her? Well, they didn't care because they were giving glory to Michael Jackson. So it shouldn't matter how we raise our hands or how we worship God because that's our God, right? So our creator, he supplies all of our needs. Everything we have is because of him. And so we got to give him back the glory that he's due, and we do that in praise and worship. So praise is an action verb, right? An action verb means you got to be doing something. So there are several words in the Hebrew language that are representatives of praise. And I think it's really important to know what the original translation meant for us to do. You have the, do I do the clicker or you wanna do the clicker? <laughs> now I can do it, okay. Okay, 
So our first word is halal, and it means a boastful, excited, tremendous explosion of enthusiasm. Our second word is shabak. That means to speak well of in a high and befitting way, address in a loud tone, shout, command, or triumph. So there's scriptures that go along with all of the words that I'm going to teach you guys today. Uh, Psalms 47 and 1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout unto the Lord with cries of joy. And then that's the uh, NIV version. And I grew up on the King James, and that was shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph, right? Um, so we're going to have uh, Pastor Noah come up. Our second scripture is Psalms 98 and 4, and that shout for joy to the Lord. All of the earth burst into jubilant songs with music. So we're going to do a little class participation today. Class I told you. <laughs> this is not our typical service, right? That's it's right. interactive. We warned you. We warned you. You had your chance to leave, and you didn't. <laughs> it's your fault now. So All we're right. going gonna to exercise this? Yeah, everybody stand. Stand up. This is a fun day. And I'm, I'm up here because, like, I can't even keep a beat. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm like the out-of-shape person in the aerobics video where you're like, oh, I'm like them. And, uh, and, and Laurent is like, she's, she's got this down. So she's our expert and our leader. So, uh, but I... I also told her that um, I can, uh, I can, if they can blame me if they don't like it. Okay. You know what I mean? So I, I like that. So we're gonna start with clapping our hands, okay? So, so clap to a beat. We're gonna do two types of clapping, okay? So Mike's gonna give us a little beat, okay? Okay, we got a little drum beat. Everyone can, everyone clap to that? Okay. This is called clapping, y'all. Have you ever clapped before? You feel that? You can do this in worship. Did you know that? You yes. can do this in worship. I do it all the time. So what we're doing right now is practicing the Bible. Did you know you are obeying the Bible right now? You're obeying the Bible Amen. if you're doing this unto the Lord. Okay? That's awesome. Now, give yourself a hand for obeying the Bible. Okay? Give yourself a hand. Okay. You, another way you can clap is what you just did. You just gave applause. Applause. But yes. you can give it to God. Can we give applause to God right now? Okay. Now, here's the thing about applause. We all give applause when everybody's doing it. But what about when nobody's giving applause? Can you still give applause to God? You can? Yes. Right. You can. Right. You can. Somebody over here give me applause to God. Yes. Thank you. Somebody over here give me applause to God. See, you don't all, right. all have to do it. Yes. We can give applause to God whenever we want. The people in that Michael Jackson video, they were doing whatever they wanted, yes, weren't they? they? Were. That was... That was crazy. Did you have one more shout you wanted to do, yeah. right? Um, All right, yeah. you do that so one. So we've Is got... Uh, you had a read and repeat. Is that here? Yeah, that's not right there. It's on here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about our next word. Should Is... we do a shout real quick? We're going to do a shout? Let's do a shout. All right, everybody Let's shout. Hallelujah. All right. You can okay. shout to God. You're obeying the Bible. Very good. All right. Keep it going. Keep All it going. Right. All right. So our next word is yada, to give thanks or public acknowledgement to extend the hands and worship with raised hands. All right, I don't even have to tell them to do it. They're just doing it. I love it. First Timothy 2 and 8, therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without arguing or disputing. Psalms 28 and 2, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. I lift up my hands toward your most holy place, right? So you guys are great because... They did it. <laughs> they got it. They got it. 
So we, 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 we don't even have to do that. Yeah, you guys can sit down. We'll bring, yeah. we'll, and then we'll, we're going to let Rhonda go and we'll have you stand back up. Keep going. You're All doing right. good. You're so doing good. So our next word is going to be zamar. And that's to touch the strings, to make music or praise. Psalms 104, and I think that's, no, that's not the scripture I got right here. Psalms 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks unto him and bless his name. And that's something that we just did, singing out, screaming out, hallelujah, blessing, God, you're worthy. Just words of adoration. That is how we give thanks unto him. Now, this is something you can do seated. And I don't know if you guys are familiar. Some of you may be. There's an old song, Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Real simple. So I'm going to do it real quick. And then I'll do it, and then you do it. So I know you guys know it. So, oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. That's the whole song. Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. So it's a call and response. I'm going to do it, and then you're going to do it. You guys can lead them off because I know you know how to do it. Ready? Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. That's good. Oh, magnify the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. You guys sound like a choir. I love it. I love it. Thank you. That is how we bless the Lord. Lorana, do we have a verse about singing? I don't remember. I think we do. We, we may or may not um, in there. Check. If not, I, we wanted to also mention, and I might be getting ahead of us, that it is, it is uh, um, if you can sing and if you're a Christian, you should be singing during worship, okay? Amen. Okay, if you don't have anything to sing about, like, we're glad you're here. You don't know God yet. You don't know Jesus. He hasn't changed your life. You don't need to sing because you don't know what you're singing about. But if you're a Christian and you can make a noise come out of your mouth, you should be singing. Uh, I sing loud. I'm not a very good singer, mm -hmm. but I sing loud. He you know does. why? Because I love Jesus, <laughs> okay? Amen. I love Jesus. And Amen. so we want to talk about that too, which you guys just demonstrated. Right. But it is hard for our worship team. I'll speak on their behalf. You. When you're not singing and they're up here doing their thing, that's, a, that's not what we want, is it, LaRonda? Because no. it's not a concert. It's not right. their performance. This is us singing together. They're just mic because they got the best voices. <laughs> but we all, we all are to sing, right. right? Corporate worship is not a concert. So I don't come to perform. I came to lift up the name of Jesus, yes. right? And that's what we do in corporate worship. We are to do it together. Your voice is no better than mine to God, right? So we, God wants to hear our worship. Worship has a sound. Yeah. And I don't want you worshiping me like those people were worshiping Michael Jackson. I don't stand here to get glory. I stand here to give God glory. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So that is what worship is. It's corporate. It's when we all come together. Now, my kids will tell you, I sing at home. Oh, I don't sing like this. I really sing at home. And they're like, mom's down there screaming again. I will have a full church service in my kitchen. And, and so that's 
when we come together, it should be just that much more powerful. If I can be that much power and, and connected to God by myself in my kitchen, imagine when all of the saints get together yeah. and we all offer up a praise and then we invite God into the room and he sits in here and dwells in here and then when his spirit comes in, things start shifting and hearts start changing and deliverance happens all in that worship. So that is what worship is supposed to be. It is absolutely Amen. interactive. You are supposed to close your eyes and get lost just like anybody else. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, we're going to go on to our next word, which is barak. That is to bless, bow, or kneel in adoration. Now, I told Pastor Noah, I'm like, yeah, we're not going to demonstrate that because the way my knees are set up and on this gym floor, somebody would have to pick me up. So we all know what it's like. Oh, to no, no. I told you I'm not letting you off the hook. No, don't try that, LaRonda. You, no, no, no. We we're will not need a deliverance we're, service we're, to get me off this we're, floor. We're not letting Amen. everybody off the hook that easy. Stand up. We're not going to make you bow. We're not going to make you bow. But stand up. We want you to practice this still. Okay. And uh, we, you know, we saw this earlier with Katara's dance, mm -hmm. right, where she kneeled before the Lord. And, and understand that when the scriptures say this, worship in the Hebrew culture would have been much more expressive, much more full body than what we are used to. And I just want you to know that you don't have to stay at your seat when you worship. You know, yeah, Paul says do everything orderly. You know, you don't want to be like mosh pitting with the person next to you. If they're not, if they don't want to mosh pit, you can ask them, be like, can you mosh pit with me? But that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. Uh, but you can move around. I just want you to get used to moving around. So you got the, the mosh pit the going back, back, back there. It. I like that. He's I like that. Got it. So uh, we're not going to ask, and then this is lighthearted. We're, we're obviously just practicing right now. Yes. But would you try practicing? Again, this is more of a reverent like pose, and so I don't want to make a mockery of it. But would you just maybe quiet your heart and think about Jesus. And would you do anything? Close your eyes, no one's looking around, just to show his adoration. Raise your hands, you could bow your head. Thank bow you, your head like this. You can get on your knees. You can get on your knees, you could lay down, prostrate on the ground is very biblical. Anything, you could open your hands to him. And why don't we just take a moment of silence? Because silence is worship too. Amen. And in, in a bodily posture of reverence to Jesus and, and listening to the Holy Spirit, Let's just do that for a moment, and I'll bring you out of it here in a few moments. Amen. Amen. And I even feel bad interrupting you because that was so sweet. Isn't that beautiful? Let's give God a hand of praise for that. Amen. Let's give Hallelujah. God a hand of praise. So our scripture that goes along with that, you guys can be seated. For it's meeting with Philippians us. Philippians 2 and 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And I just, my, my thought when I looked at that scripture was, we all think, like if a couple of weeks ago we had a lady here on the front row, and she got on her knees in the middle of worship, and she just stayed there. And I saw people looking like, what is she doing? Why is she doing that? Why is she? But if the Queen of England walked through that door right now, it would be expected that we bow to her in reverence, because that's the culturally normal thing to do. We give her the respect 
because she is a queen and she's a high official in the earth. So why would we think it's strange to bow before our God, our creator, right? That's expected behavior. So I want to challenge you to have that same expected behavior. I refuse to give anybody on earth more glory than I give God. So if I'm going to be politically and socially and, and you know, correct and, and honoring the queen of England or, or whoever the elected official that requires such behavior, we need to start putting it in our minds to give God that much or more because he's worthy. Amen. Amen. So we're going to define worship. So now we know what praise and worship is and we know the different ways to do it. So we're going to kind of cover what happens when we worship and exactly what worship is. So our definition of worship is a reverent devotion and allegiance pledged to God with regard to great extravagance, respect, honor, and devotion. And with worship, that's just inviting God's presence into our lives or our atmosphere, which when we're corporate, it's our service, or it can be in your home, or it can be in your car. I worship God everywhere. Amen. So worship is much more than singing, and that's, we had you guys do those little exercises just to let you know, worship is not just singing. It, we can worship God in so many different ways. So we are literally living sacrifices. Everything that we do, we should do to the glory of God. Praise, an act of expressing admiration, appreciation, and thanks. Remembering the God of our creation and giving thanks for Christ's sacrifice for our salvation. We literally owe God our worship. It's not my personal opinion. I didn't just make this up. It's literally written in our instruction manual. You know, what we call the basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. That is our guide for life. And it tells us all about worshiping and praising God. So most of the Psalms are simple prayers. Anybody ever read the book of Psalms? There's like a lot of them. Some of them are short, some of them are long, but just about all of them are either a song or a prayer, right? And so those are usually a prayer that include praise to God. So just as often as that praise is shared in, in those scriptures, it's shared with others, and then they are encouraged to do the same and then join in with whoever the writer is in that praise. Okay? So everything we do is worship. Now, I didn't just make that up, and that's just not a cliche. It's biblical. Romans 12 and 1, therefore I urge you, and brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable and proper worship. I'm sorry, I've got the King James just floating in my head, and this is NIV, I'm sorry. So that the scripture literally tells us our bodies belong to God, and we are the sacrifice. Just like Christ was a sacrifice on the cross for us, we are the sacrifice of praise to God, amen? So this is your true and proper worship. So there is a proper and an improper way to worship, and we're going to cover that later. And 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, amen? So 
What we do in worship is we put God in the first place. And that, when we do that, it shifts our mindset and it changes our perspective. We forget all about ourselves. We forget all about our problems. Whatever concerns we had before we walked into his presence, we let all of that go and we give it back to God, right? Um, we focus on God and his goodness. And in that space, healing takes place. Curses can be broken. Just like um, Pastor had us have the moment of silence, that's meditation. And it allows you to, when you quiet yourself and quiet, get yourself away and have that quiet and intentional time with God, you can hear God and God can hear you, right? And you bring his presence in. You invite his spirit. God is a gentleman. He will not just bogart his way into anywhere. And he's not going to go somewhere he's not welcome. So we always want to create an atmosphere where we let the Holy Spirit know that he is welcome in our midst. Amen. So more than singing, like I said, these songs that we go over are to help us to remember who God is. Who is God to you personally? I mean, he could, he's, he's something to all of us, but some of us have gone through some different things. Somebody might have had cancer and got healed. That might not be your testimony, but that is what you think of. When I think, I thank. That's a phrase that I really like. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. And that is what we do. So praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. And it can be used in deliverance and spiritual warfare. I don't know if anybody's ever been in one of those really, really high services where people get up out of wheelchairs and walk, you know, or, or people that have evil spirits tormenting them are delivered literally on the spot. That can happen if the atmosphere is set and God's presence is in that room. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus' name to call on. Like we call, everything we do, we kind of do it through Jesus' name, right? They didn't have Jesus because he hadn't come yet, but they did have praise. So anybody ever remember the Battle of Jericho, the story we heard you sang the song in Vacation Bible School, Joshua at the Battle of Jericho? So that, that was where praise was used as a weapon. In Joshua 6, 1 and 20 through 27, it tells the story of the Israelites. They marched around the city walls once a day for six days in a row. Under, this is like God gave them direct instructions that they were not to change whatever he told them to do. They had to march around this entire city. Now, I don't know how big a city is. It was a walled city, and they had to march around it in silence once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they were to march around it, blow their horns, their trumpets, and shout, and all the walls came crumbling down. Now, that in itself is like, how do they do that? How do you, this is a fortress. It's to keep the enemy out of the city. And they literally shouted and blew their horns and worshiped God and the walls crumbled and they walked in. That is the power of praise, right? And so another example, Chronicles 20, 21 to 26, King Jehoshaphat anointed singers to go before the army. So I'm a singer. If you're my army captain or chief or whatever. All right, LaRonda, you take the front line, and I want you to sing before we go behind you with our weapons. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want the singers on the front line? Who does that? King Jehoshaphat did that. He 
was so close to God and he was listening and, and urging God to give him direct instructions. And God said, put the praise in front of your army. That was one brave praise team because I don't know that I would have wanted to sign up for that. But they did. They had so much faith in God and they knew the power of their praise. So that's another thing. If we could tap into what we don't, it's there. It's in you. We just have to activate it. So in this story, they marched, the praise team marched in front of the troops, singing and praising God. Now, you know, when they're coming from one city to the next, that might be a two-day walk. I don't know. But whatever it was, when they started singing, the army and the enemy camp started fighting amongst themselves. By the time King Jehoshaphat and his army and his praise team got there, everybody was dead. They literally killed each other. Why? Because God fights for us in worship. And they didn't have to fight. And so that is just another example of how our praise is more powerful than we even know. So when we're going through things, put a praise on it. When your kids are acting crazy, put a praise on it. When the doctor gives you a bad report, put a praise on it. And God's word cannot lie, right? So not only do you put a praise with it, put a scripture with it. Find a healing scripture. You know, find, find whatever fits your situation because God cannot lie and his word cannot return unto him void. Amen? So put a praise and some scripture and some prayer on it and baby, you can move mountains. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about how God feels about our praise. And I think Pastor Noah, I'm going to have you kind of help with this. In Isaiah 1 and 11, 17, God speaks so clearly about how he doesn't want our praise if we don't learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, and take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the cause of the widow. And so this is why our lives, is our very life is worship. Everything we do, we do for, our, for God's glory and not our own. And we should sacrifice everything, our wishes, our dreams, our desires, aspirations, and goals for what God has us to do for him. Now, I don't know if we put that scripture in there about how God um, wants justice. And if we don't do justice, like the things that I pulled out of that scripture, he literally, there's, there's what, um, 15, 16 verses? Yeah of what God, I don't want to hear this. I don't, want, I don't care about your meeting. I don't care about your praying. I don't, and it literally lists all the things that we do in worship, that we're giving God in worship. And he was like, it means nothing mm. if you are not doing justice that I command you to do yeah. to others. And that is one of the core parts of the Mosaic Church. And I'll let yeah. you speak on that. That's great. Uh, yeah, we, I was going to read it if we have time, but we're a little over time, so... Um, Lorana, really, you summed it up well. We just wanted to end by saying um, praise and worship is what we do in church, but God is very clear that if we're not doing justice, so the scriptures, if you want to look them up, Isaiah 1, 11 to 17, that's Isaiah 1, 11 to 17, I mean, it's, it's strong coffee, it'll mm -hmm. wake you up, you'll read it and go, what are we, we've been doing it wrong this whole time, what are we doing, we're, we're wrong. The other one is Amos 5, 21 to 24, they're very similar. Amos 5, 21 to 24, Isaiah 1, 11 to 17. And we'll do whole sermons on that in the future, but like LaRonda said, God's heart is you need to be doing justice to the oppressed. And if you're not, I don't care about your worship, which is why as a church plant, we're trying to put justice 
uh, in, our, in our core values, first and foremost in our yeah. mission statement, because we're saying we want to be kingdom people. We want to do God's will. We want to be pleased with our worship. So, yeah. so yeah, somehow, Loretta, how do we get, how do we go, two preachers up here, <laughs> and we went, we went, we, we ended up going so long, because <laughs> you're a preacher. You're a little kid. You, you got it. You got it going on. You got it going on, sister. This is so good. This is so good. So that I'll just was, quick sum this up. That was the only conclusion I had. Do you want to lead us into communion? And, yeah. and then um, we, we got we to gotta get out of here before yeah. John yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Tim eat all the ribs. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep going. We got some more worship to do. Amen. We got some more worship to do. We're going to do communion Amen. and some worship and a response for you to come forward if you would like. Um, but go ahead and wrap us up. So and another part of communion. worship is communion. And in some traditions and cultures, they believe that that is absolutely the most important part of worship because that is when we honor Jesus' sacrifice on the cross by remembering how he shed his blood and gave his body and his life for our eternal salvation. And so I just wanted to end with considering all that God has done for us, what more, what could be more natural than giving our outbursts of heartfelt praise and praise should be given to God not just for what he's done but for who he is amen, amen.